May the force be with you. going to be a physical SEC football game and and that's what it was but just so happy for our fans and so happy so so happy for our players um on the muff punt obviously a really close call that was overturned I mean what what was what was said to you on, yeah on I, I don't know I mean it's that he touched it we did not come here to lose by seven we came here to win the game and I think you could see that by the way that we played, we just ran into a team that was seven points better than us tonight. And it'd be hard to look at the Arkansas Razorbacks and not be proud of the effort and the resiliency that we showed tonight and the physicality. Uh, he's, I think he's gotten better and better. He's, I mean, here's a bug. He's had the ability to do it in practice. Ooh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, I'm flying solo for this episode. No Cousin Shane on this one. Cousin Shane's at work, but I got a terrific guest lined up. Got my buddy Nate Edwards of Rock M Nation. We're going to do a little deep dive here on the Missouri Tigers as they're already into spring football. So really appreciate Nate giving about 30 minutes here to talk about uh some Missouri football, but uh, before we get to that, just want to make a note that uh, we got another guest lined up for Wednesday's show. Going to talk some Kentucky football, South Carolina's meeting with the media here as well on Wednesday. So the next show is going to feature those at, at the very least, including an interview that I think uh, fans are really going to appreciate and maybe even one more interview before the week's done. So a lot of content to get to. Before we get to our interview, we got a couple clips a couple clips to get to featuring uh, Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz and starting receiver Barrett Bannister met with the media here recently with uh, spring well underway in the Columbia. I mean, they're on practice four or five by now, I believe, as uh, as I'm recording this. So things are going quick here in Missouri. Can't, I mean, a spring game is less than three weeks away, which is incredible. But, you know, one of the big storylines there, Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator, back to the NFL Blake Baker, newly uh, hired safeties coach, going to be your new defensive coordinator after having experience as a defensive coordinator at Miami and Louisiana Tech. He's a Manny Diaz disciple. So here's Coach Drink on how the team's going to be handled defensive play calling duties. Of course, Drinkowitz calls the offensive plays there on game day with uh, because the Tigers, in addition to Blake, have a, a coach DC down there. So, But the way Drink tells it, it's going to be Blake Baker showed a call on game day. You know, how, will it, how does the dynamic work with the two guys? I mean, is, it, is play calling kind of a, a combined thing, or is, is Blake the voice on game day? Yeah, Blake will be the play caller. He's got experience calling defenses in game scenarios and situations. It'll be a collaborative effort throughout the week. Um, and, uh, you know, with different areas broke down, but the final say will be. Uh, Blake as the defensive coordinator and Coach Smith as the co-defensive coordinator. Scheme-wise, would Blake be similar to what you guys had or was there a dramatic difference? Or like? No, it should be. We're trying to carry over as much of the calls and uh, style of defense that we can. Um, obviously, every defensive coordinator has their own fingerprint that they'll put on it, including Coach Smith and, and the wrinkles that he's uh, going to want to add. And so, um, But we want to try to keep the terminology is similar as we can. Now, as for the uh, most important question 
in Columbia this uh, spring, as is the case all around the SEC when there's an opening at the quarterback position. <laughs> What's going to happen there? Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer, that is not official. It sounds like uh, you know things are trending that way. There's a good chance Jaden Daniels is on your roster at Missouri before long, but he's not going to be there by spring. So we got Brady Cook, who finished the last game of the season in the bowl game, and Tyler Macon, the touted redshirt freshman, both a couple of Missouri in-state kids fighting for this job. Sam Horn, the touted Elite 11 quarterback, is arriving this summer. Drinkwitz has even said, you know, Horn, he's made assurances to Horn. He's going to give him every opportunity to start. Probably not very realistic considering he's not there for spring football, but who knows? I mean, it won't be the first time a quarterback uh, entered a camp and just blew everybody away. So here's Drinkwitz on the quarterback competition. And because nothing is official with Jane Daniels, he was not allowed to uh, publicly comment or even talk about Jane Daniels at this time, who was on a recruiting visit as Drinkwitz was uh, given this talk here. How, how different is it evaluating quarterbacks in spring as opposed to in the middle of the season when you don't have an opponent you're, you're playing for? Um, you know, again, I think it's really important for both Tyler and Brady to understand that the job's not going to be earned in the uh, – in the spring, you know, it's about going out there and developing and being consistent as a performer, learning from mistakes, failing forward, so to speak. And so um, don't go out there every day with this pressure that this throw is going to be, if I make this throw, I'm going to be the starting quarterback. We're not. You know, we're going to add uh, competitive competition. You know, Sam's going to be able to have an opportunity to earn the job when he shows up on campus. And so, um, you know, we're not, we're not, we're competing every single day because we always compete. But you know, at the after the spring game, there's not going to be an announcement on who the quarterback is. All right, and then the last thing, aside from the quarterbacks, that uh, all Mizzou fans want to talk about: Luther Burden, the five-star receiver, many had pegged as the top receiver prospect in the country, picked the in-state Missouri Tigers over Georgia, I believe Texas A&M. I mean. Every school in the country, basically, was after Luther Burden. He was uh, previously committed to Ohio State, and we all know what a factory they've become for uh, receivers. So this is huge. This could be a game-changer for the Missouri Tigers. And immediately after the, his first practice there of the spring, earned his jersey number, and Drinkwitz does his best to, to pump the brakes a little bit, but uh, it, it's not going to work too well this offseason, I do not believe. Yeah, I mean, he he um, has done what he's supposed to do. Um, he's been very attentive to detail. He's been very coachable. He's worked hard. Um, has made a couple of plays that that earned him the opportunity to get his number, um, which uh, is great for him, you know. But I mean. Everybody gets an opportunity to earn their number, so it's just part of the process, I guess, would be the biggest thing. Is it's just part of the process. That doesn't need to fuel any more hype. Pl plenty of hype out there. Just calm down. Still February, early February, late February. Barrett mentioned specifically yeah. the other day he was a guy. Ben Luther was a guy that came in here and like you can't tell he's the, the number one receiver in the country or whatever. He's done everything you would the way you would want a freshman yeah. to. I mean, is that yeah. is that what you've seen so far? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, he's very humble. 
um, attacks every day because he wants to get better. You don't see entitlement. Um, you know, you see a guy who's very humble and hungry and, and um, working to earn his opportunity. You know, I think that speaks to the culture of Coach Russell in the weight room and the seniors and those guys that, that are making sure that these guys are bought into how we're going to go about doing it here, you know. All right, then, and last little clips here we got before we get to our interview with Nate Edwards, Barrett Bannister, veteran receiver here. You know, he was asked to share his thoughts on the, the quarterback competition there in camp, what he's seen so far, of course. He's talking Brady Cook, Tyler Macon. Those are the only two guys in the competition on the roster this spring in Columbia. So let's kick it over to Barrett Bannister. Yeah, you know, I think both have done a really good job. They've both uh, just kind of rotated, you know, with the ones, both taking reps with ones, twos, um, that deal. And so it's been really good to see both of them compete. Um, you know, I think both of them have shown really good uh, things with the vertical passing game. And, you know, obviously um, mentioned this in previous interviews, just their ability to use their legs is a really big key for us. And um, so I think they've done a really good job and they're doing a good job, uh, you know, managing the offense and making sure everyone's where they need to be in, in order per, to execute. Uh, there's a difference, obviously, in, hey, I might have to take over versus, hey, I'm trying to beat the guy that's mm -hmm. in this offense. So just to, as far as their ability to, to kind of – last spring, everybody said, this is Connor's team. There's no doubt. Where are they at in that progression? You know, I think – they're learning, you know, everyone's learning every day and they're, they're developing as quarterbacks. That's what springs for, you know, one of our team goals is individual player development. And so I think, you know, from Brady and Tyler's perspective, both, both them are going to be growing as quarterbacks this spring and, you know, into the spring, later part of the spring, summer, into fall camp. And so um, I think both of them have done a great job these first two days. And, you know, I think those progressions are just going to keep, you know, stacking days on top of each other. And so... Not sure if that totally answered your question, but. <laughs> and then last thing, this is something I, I discuss here with uh, Nate Edwards in our interview here in a moment, but I just want to lay this out there because I don't know, even know if we talked about it when it happened, but Missouri's got a new receivers coach, Jacob Peeler. I believe he was at Oregon last year, but uh, I know him as a former Ole Miss receivers coach when DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown were down there. And I know it's easy to sit here and say, well, those guys are so talented. They would have found their way to the NFL anyway. But uh, Coach Peeler got a lot out of those guys, helped them develop their game. You know, there's many a talented players that don't make it to that level because they don't put in the work, they don't get developed. And this is an interesting position with Luther Burden, Mookie Cooper, and uh, Dominique Lovett, to name a few, including Bannister here. You know, Peeler's walking into a room with plenty of talent. It's on him now to get the most out of those guys. And Luther Burden certainly has the talent to be the next DK Metcalf, the next A.J. Brown for the Missouri Tigers. Uh, so here's Barrett Bannister, who seems very impressed with uh, his new receivers coach, Jacob Peeler. You mentioned there, Dave, like I think this is your fifth receivers coach in mm -hmm. six years. After just a brief time with Coach Peeler, can, is there anything you can take away and say, okay, this is unique about this guy, the way he's doing this? Intensity. Yeah. That, that would be the one word that I would describe, like, compared to the other receiver coaches I have. Coach Peeler is very, very intense, and he demands a lot from you. And it's nothing that, you know, is crazy that no one can accomplish, but it's a lot of things that, you know, you know that he talks about that are in your control. You know what I mean? Like – 
catching the ball, getting two lines underneath, high and tight the whole way back, things like that. And so I think that's something that's just been really cool is, you know, he's pushing us every single day. And he always says, I'm not going to change the standard. The standard is what it is. And so I think that's really been awesome, you know, and it's every single person included me. Like I said, I've been here a long time. If I'm not high and tight, he's all over me. If Luther's not high and tight, he's all over him. And so I think that's really, really good. And it's been really good for us. All right, so hey, I've held off long enough. Let's kick it over to our interview with my man, Nate Edwards of Rock M Nation. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by Nate Edwards. My man, Nate, over there at Rock M Nation, covers the Missouri Tigers for SB Nation. Of course, uh, he's the editor and a podcast host of Before the Box Score, and you got to give him a follow at Nate G. Edwards on Twitter. Nate, thanks for joining me once again. I really appreciate you, man. Happy to be here, your friendly neighborhood Missouri blogger, talking about uh, <laughs> the only school that has Tiger as a mascot in the SEC. So yeah, let's let's go, man. Yeah, and hey, I am not lying when I say you do an outstanding job covering the team. I'm not trying to suck up to you or anything, but where else are you going to find a guy that's breaking down how much weight's being gained from one offseason to the next and why, you know, you put a lot of time into this, obviously, and, and that was a focus uh, on your latest podcast there. Can you express to the audience, kind of rehash that, why that's such a big deal, you thought, uh, going into year three under uh, Eli Drinkowitz? Yeah, so it's it's one of the few things that you can really learn a lot about the team in the spring because, you know, we love, we love spring ball. You get to talk about stuff. And, you know, you and me, we love it because it gives us hits. It gives us listens. But you're not really learning anything in spring. It's a lot of install. It's a lot of uh, a lot of workouts and, and getting new new faces acclimated. But one thing that we've learned, at least uh, at Missouri, is you can kind of start seeing what the staff wants their players to do uh, as far as like bulking up, getting faster, getting getting beefier, whatever. Uh, heading into 2021, we thought it was really interesting that we had on the team, uh, we had 26 guys gain a little bit of weight, but we had 34 guys cut weight. And so we're sitting here thinking to ourselves, okay, you know, Steve Wilkes is the new DC. Maybe he wants to get lighter. Maybe he wants to get faster. And well, we all saw how that ended up. Uh, maybe one of the worst running defenses you've ever seen in your entire life. So with that as the backdrop, we now head into 2022 and the spring rosters were let out. We look, I tracked the height and weight changes. Um, and now instead of 34 guys losing weight, only 10 guys lost weight and instead of only 26 guys gaining weight 45 gained weight so Drinkwitz hired a new strength and conditioning coach and we got a new dc we got a lot of new faces on the uh, on the defensive staff but you can see that this team is trying to get heavier especially after the the debacle of last year and most of those guys are defensive linemen offensive linemen too so you can see a real focused effort here of we weren't enough, uh, enough dudes, enough weight of dudes to stop anything last year. And we are going to rectify that. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking of uh, old Drake, I know you, you know, we, I asked you about the lightsaber last time I had you on with, we, we both love that, but yeah. what, what do you think of him uh, at these basketball games? Just going crazy on the sidelines, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, when I was a kid and uh, Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee, uh, he would, you know, he would get all in, 
every single sport he'd be involved you know rip off his shirt because yeah mm-hmm. if you look like bruce pearl at his age not, why not just never wear a shirt dude <laughs> um but it shows solidarity with the athletic program and i think that's something that you know the 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 coaches for missouri sports do a really good job of i'm not saying they're the best i'm sure many programs do this but they do a really good job of staying active in social media and supporting each other and yeah eli i mean he is he's at women's basketball he's at wrestling he's at gymnastics he takes his girls to the softball he takes takes in the baseball like he he wants to be part of this community he wants to support his peers and uh I mean, the dude's a pitch man. He knows he knows how to sell his program. He knows how to get out there, and, and I love it. It's not only supporting your peers, but it's getting your face out there, and I think it's great. Yeah, and the only other thing, because I agree with everything you just said, but I also think it, it gets those fans behind you, of course, the Missouri fans, but it also, the rest of the SEC, they're like, oh, this damn nerd, like, who the hell does this guy think he is? But, I mean, hey, if that's your role, I mean, play it up because, uh, you know, it's not like uh, Missouri's not out here being competitive in the SEC. So it, it just burns them that much deeper when uh, they get beat by a guy that they think is, uh, you know, the guy from the office. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the dude's <laughs> driving dump trucks to high school, you know, high school campuses <laughs> and stuff like that. What, one of my favorite things about college sports, just in general, but especially in football, you get kind of the community aspect that you get with high school. Cause like, God, you can walk up to a high school athlete and just talk to him, like no big deal. You got the skill of professional athletes, though. Like you're never going to bump into, you know, a pro, a pro football player at the grocery store. But you know what? In college, you can get that opportunity for someone who's really talented. And it's like it's a community thing. So that goes back to the coaches. It's like seeing your science teacher support you at your football game or seeing your your algebra teacher, you know, in the stands for your for your volleyball match. It's like it just creates a sense of community. Yeah, it gets the fans involved. It keeps your face out there. And it's just it's cool. It's, it's a unique experience you don't get in any other level uh, of American sport. Mm-hmm. Now, the big elephant in the room, I think, with Missouri is, of course, uh, this uh, Jaden Daniels, the uh, Arizona State quarterback. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, I, I don't think it's official by any means, but no. we know he visited campus recently. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what's, what's your thoughts on that whole deal? Because I've personally, I've not watched Jaden Daniels play a minute of football. You look at the stats, obviously impressive as a freshman, not so impressive the last two years. And, and I've heard his efficiency is is just been terrible last season in particular. How does he fit into this race potentially with Brady Cook and, and Tyler Macon and even Sam Horn, if you want to throw in the true freshman? Yeah, it's it's another it's another talented guy. And I I am mixed on this. I know you and I have briefly spoken about this before, but like he is, yes, he was highly regarded coming out of high school. Yes, he had a tremendous first season at Arizona State when he was throwing to three NFL wide receivers. At the same time, you know, his accuracy wasn't super great those first three, two years, 60% in 2019, 58% in 2020. He picked up the accuracy last year at 65%, but oh my God, his yards per attempt was six yards. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere. And, and not only is it not going anywhere, but the receivers aren't taking it anywhere. Now he's, he's a tremendous runner. You know, he's, he's averaging, I think, 7.2 yards per carry for his career in college. He's already got over 1,600 yards on the ground. But that's not really what the Drinkwood system wants. It wants you to be accurate. It wants you to make a safe choice and not take a sack. And so far, you know, he gets sacked on 8% of his, his dropbacks. He threw 10 interceptions to his 10 touchdowns last year. I, 
yes, he is highly regarded. Yes, it's good to have another talented guy in the room. I'm just really curious as to why a guy with no ties to the region or this staff who has been, frankly, regressing as his career goes on, wants to come to Missouri uh, and give it another shot. It just seems kind of like a scratch and dent sale. And, you know, if Bush Hamden, our quarterback's coach, and Eli Drinkwitz, our OC, our and hood coach, can get something out of him, by all means, let's do it. If you want to create competition for the quarterback room, by all means, do it. But as we saw on social media, it seems like Jaden wasn't really liked by his teammates, and he's also regressed. And now I'm just like, what are we looking for here? What, what am I missing? So mm-hmm. I am I am, I am, I am accepting it. I am skeptical, but I am accepting of it if, if and when he chooses to come here. Uh, I choose to look at it as a positive, but when you're not in those meetings, you're not in those rooms, it's really tough on the outside to see what the benefit is other than just high ceiling based off of high school tape. Right. And, you know, there's many ways you could kind of spin this, but what are your thoughts on the fact that, uh, you know, Drinkwitz, he's brought in Tyler Macon, and I realize Sam Horn is not even on campus yet, so this this may be unfair to him, but, you know, he's identified and and brought a couple quarterbacks on the campus, and now he's – you know, I, I wouldn't say not giving him an opportunity, but you bring in a, a Jane Daniels to start him. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know why you're bringing him in. So you're in my mind, it's it's him saying these guys aren't ready. And I thought he was an offensive guy. I thought that, you know, I thought that's why we were hiring this guy to get it, <laughs> get the, the system up to speed. Is that fair? Or could you maybe spin it, say, you know, this guy doesn't mind, uh, you, you know, some hurt feelings because this is the SEC there. There's no time for you to go out here and you know, give us quarterback a year or two and he'll be ready. I mean, fans expect you to win and, and you kind of have to be that way just to be competitive in the league. Well, you do. I, I think both takes are correct, you know, for, for all of his you know, recruiting wins and all of his uh, ability as a, as a play caller, he has yet to find his quarterback flat out. You know, Sean Robinson started the first two games in 2020 Connor Bazelak, the, the immovable noodle-armed wonder. He, he, he started every game that he wasn't hurt. Um, and you're sitting here and you're going, why? Why? You know, you've got – you've identified a running back. You've got pretty good offensive linemen. You're bringing in talent in the receiving room. What? Why can't you find a quarterback? I think that's fair. At the same time, this is the SEC. You need to bring in as much talent as possible and hope that some of it clicks and trot that talent out. And so – I think it's both. In this case, I am, as a as a fan, I'm obviously way more concerned about quarterback development than I should be, especially when we were blessed with Gary Pinkle and his run of NFL quarterbacks over the years. Um, but, you know, it, at the, it's a move that you have to make because that's what the SEC is. But it's also a move that kind of tells you maybe he doesn't like the quarterbacks. And it does. It is a legitimate question like what what's your issue with developing quarterbacks at this point mm-hmm. um yeah you do bring in Jaden daniels to start but you he doesn't start just because he transferred in so we'll see how the competition goes if if he does show up on campus when that happens but frankly if you're asking me i would be good with brady uh tyler and sam as your three quarterbacks they're obviously very young um so i understand bringing in a transfer but i just want eli and bush to find a guy who's going to work and can execute and if that's Jaden daniels if that's brady cook i don't care but I need to see this offense be what they want it to be this year um, and kind of assuage those, those concerns about quarterback development. Now, have you heard it? Maybe they're because they've gone so far down the road with Jane Daniels. They're not even considering this, but if I'm a zoo, I, I would look at JT Daniels 
who, I mean, that makes a lot more <laughs> yeah. sense to me. What, what do you think? That was, if I had to pick a Daniels, that would have been it. Um, you know, obviously we're Jack very Daniels, fun. I don't know. If, <laughs> we're very fun to chase Daniel as well. So like Missouri fans are not uh, foreign to this concept, but you know, I do think JT would be, would be the guy that I would select. Um, again, he's not very mobile either. So for all of my mm-hmm. complaining about Connor Bay's like JT would not fix that issue. But then again, you know, the thing with JT Daniels is he couldn't beat out Stetson Bennett, who, you know, he was, he was having his job called for it until the second he won the national championship. So like you couldn't beat out the walk-on, you couldn't beat out the, the, the Bozeman, like, okay, that's fine. Um, so I, there are some questions about what JT Daniels can and can't do. Um, but from what we've seen from him, you know, his first year at USC was dynamite and maybe not as accurate as you like, but pretty dang good. And, and, and for the, the spot starts that he had at Georgia in 2020 were, you know, 67% completion rate. 10 to two touchdowns and interceptions um you know some good things there too now he got sacked just as much as Jaden daniels did which isn't great but um you know that's that's the route that i would go now again jt daniels is all potential because you've only seen him briefly uh you know the one year at usc briefly in his second year and then just a little bit here and there so you don't know what he can be which is like oh it's the mystery package um Mm -hmm. so that's why i feel like there's probably a little bit more allure at this point we know what Jaden daniels is or at least we think we do so i would go with jt um but you know He's not, it doesn't look like he's talking to Missouri. So we're going right. to, we're going to talk to the ones who are actually interested. Now, another huge topic there in Columbia, of course, uh, the, the change at the defensive coordinator, you mentioned Steve Wilkes and I, the defense got a lot better by season's end. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how big of a loss that is, but potentially is they promoted Blake Baker, who's got defensive coordinator experience at two different schools. What's your thoughts on that trade-off? Is that, do you think that's a net gain or a net loss for Missouri this year? That's a, that's a good question. Um, it, the, the thing with Wilkes is that it's always going to be this huge unknown because mm-hmm. if he came back and it was the first six games all over again, total waste, total mm-hmm. waste, just a bum, get him out of here. Now, if it was the last six games, then we're saying, okay, this was an inspired hire. This set the, you know, this set the tone. It was, it was the, the foundation of what the defense could be. So we don't know what it was going to be. Blake Baker gets to come in and he gets to make it his own. But, you know, from what he's saying in these interviews, he's saying, look, we're keeping all the verbiage the same. We're not going to change it all up. And that's fine. I mean, it's easier for one guy to learn 50 new words than hundred guys to learn 50 new words. So I I get it. Um, At the same time, Blake Baker is a Manny Diaz disciple and Manny Diaz guys love to generate pressure and Steve Wilkes like to create shells. So I'm not totally sure, you know, is this going to be more of a, is he going to keep the zone with, with extra blitzes? Is he, does he think he has the defensive line to do this? Cause if you look at Baker at Louisiana tech, he was sending somebody weird every single play. And then when he was at Miami, he could drop seven, you know, rush four uh, cause they had transcendent defensive ends and, and create the pressure that way. So I don't know what he sees in this group, you know, Martez Manuel's an attacking piece. Tyron Hopper's an attacking piece. So you could talk yourself into that. You also know that you have a really deep defensive end uh, pass rushing group. Maybe you have the right guys for that, or maybe you can cycle them in. Point is, is that regardless of what Wilkes was going to be, we can now forget it because it was a one-year loner, basically. 
-hmm. Now what our, what our thoughts are going to be is, okay, so now this is going to be the 2022 defense, regardless if that's Wilkes Wilkes or Baker. Um, And and we can see what he's going to do with these pieces. And and if he sticks around long-term, which please God, somebody stay (laughs) for more than two years, uh, we can figure out what this is going to be. It's a, I think it's the right move. Obviously he was the only guy who had any coordinating experience. So it was kind of the only move you can make. Uh, But it seemed to make a lot of sense. I loved his Louisiana tech defenses because they were very explodey, both good and bad. Um, and I think, you know, with, with, uh, DJ Smith and linebackers coach being co DC, there's still a familiar face in the room. It's going to be interesting to see how that works on game day, but for the most part, I, I just want him to do what he wants to do with the words that Wilkes used, because that was the biggest <laughs> issue last year. And if, as long as we can avoid that kind of issue, then we can focus on the actual performance issues. Now, how do, how in the world does Missouri go about replacing the production of Tyler Beatty? Because, I mean, that seems like an impossible task. Maybe the most valuable running back, not only in the SEC, but the country last year. I mean, this this guy put the team on his back, and uh, that's not an exaggeration. So how do the Tigers go about doing that? Gosh, it really was. And, and, you know, we're – they talked to uh, Curtis Looper, who's the running backs coach. And he said that at this time last year, they had no idea Tyler Beatty was going to shoulder so much of the load. Uh, so it's something that you kind of just discover as time goes on. Uh, but yeah, Beatty was transcendent. He had one of the greatest years a Missouri running back has ever had. Um, now they're doing their best to replace him. They got Nathaniel Pete out of Stanford. He was a former Columbia, Missouri kid. So he's familiar with the area Rockbridge product. He is built almost exactly like Tyler Beatty. 5'10", 198. And you see in his time at Stanford, he wasn't utilized a ton. And that Stanford offensive line was surprisingly bad. But he was averaging 5.1 yards per carry, um, no fumbles lost, three touchdowns on the ground. But what's even crazier than that is that he and Beatty had almost the exact same numbers as far as uh, yards before contact and yards after contact, which, hey, guess what? That's kind of important when you play in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So Pete is coming in. You know, he averaged about two yards per carry before getting contact, but he averaged three and a half after he got hit. What was Tyler Beatty's biggest, biggest, really his biggest strength last year was that he could absorb and hit and keep going. And something that Coach Looper has been saying is like, look, we want our guys to bulk up because you got to be tough as nails and take a hit. And that's what they've been really focused on. And that's what Nathaniel Pete does well. At the same time, you saw Elijah Young against Army. B.J. Harris had start uh, spot starts here and there. Tavoris Jones, our blue chipper running back out of El Paso, is coming in. Michael Cox, who's the big burly walk-on. Like There are guys who have experience who can do that sort of thing. I don't think they want to have to do another Tyler Beatty season, but they got guys that are built similarly and have a similar style of run. So we'll see. I would prefer a committee approach, but I don't want to force it. I want the best player to play. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how Young develops over this these past offseason, as well as Harris, and then some new guys can push it because Pete is going to be your guy, and he seems to be the one who can best replicate a Tyler Beatty season. Now, one guy I just cannot wait to see hit the field in a regulation game here, Luther Burden, of course, Oof. a five-star incoming freshman, already on campus, already earned his jersey number. And <laughs> I know it's early, but it, yeah. you know, all accounts, you know, good things coming. Uh, how big of an impact – do you anticipate uh, Luther Bird making immediately for the Tigers? God, I I, I am trying so hard, so hard <laughs> to stifle my excitement for this young man. Two so um, Heisman, two Heismans. 
I'll say, yeah, I'll say three Heismans, you know, maybe, uh, we'll put it two and a half. Um, he's just, he was such an otherworldly player at East St. Louis. And he is the type of playmaker that Eli Drinkwitz has been looking to put on the field at the receiver position. Mookie Cooper was supposed to be that. He was injured all last year. You could see flashes of it from Chance Looper and J.J. Hester on the outside, but they're not Luther Burden. And like, if you're looking for a guy to catch a hitch and turn two yards into 22 yards or a touchdown, like that is what Luther Burden does. Uh, it cracked me up that the first practice he earned his number because, like, of course. <laughs> and Trinkwitz is like, "Don't read into it." And I'm like, "Dude, if you don't want us to read into it, don't put it out there." Um, but no, he he is from all that we've heard from Jacob Peeler, the receivers coach, from even Trinkwitz in his press conference, he's saying, "Look, even the players too. They're like, this this kid doesn't seem like the number one receiver in the country. He is humble. He is asking questions. He is putting his head down and just doing the drills and like really getting into the book. And like, that's everything you want to hear. And we've seen him on the field now, granted against high school competition, but we've seen what he can do, both catching the ball, returning punts, returning kicks. Like this is, this is what we've been waiting for for so long um, to have a dynamic player like this. And really since Doriel Green Beckham in 2012, and unlike DGB, Burden seems to be a polished product at this point. DGB was raw athleticism. Burden is a receiver. We think that he can go out there and make an immediate impact. Granted, at the receiver position, that's what, eight targets a game. But still, he is providing something that we have not had for at least three years. And so the sky is the limit as far as expectations. I would say, you know, conservatively put him at 700 yards, five touchdowns, and, you know, let's say a cumulative 375 yards returning as far as kicks go. And just say, look, be, be a little bit better than a replacement level at the college level your freshman year. Anything more than that is gravy. And then, yeah, we'll win your other two Heismans in uh, 23 and 24. <laughs> and I think you mentioned uh, Coach Peeler they hired. I think that was really underrated hire. He did an outstanding job at Ole Miss getting uh, DK Metcalf and, and A.J. Brown now. Of course, those guys were so talented, they were probably going to go on to the NFL anyway. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, those are prime players in the NFL. So, uh, you know, the track record is there. And, and speaking of that receiver position, you hit on Mookie Cooper. I was also going to ask you about Dominique Lovett. You know, so much attention given to Luther Burden. You know, that may help these guys. Uh, could you see either or, or either one, uh, one or the other having a breakout season for the Tigers, Mookie Cooper and, and Dominique Lovett? You know, it would be great. It would be great. Uh, they are they are built similarly, although you know you'd see you know Dominic was would probably probably profiles to the outside, whereas Mookie's more of an inside guy. Uh, Dom's fast, like that was his that was his skill in high school, and like not to downplay it, but that was kind of it. <laughs> he was just way faster than everybody else on the field, and that's cool in high school, but you got to be able to do a couple other things too at the college level. Mm -hmm. um, so it would be great to see him kind of put things together. He had a 72% catch rate, which is pretty good for a freshman, but it was only 4.8 yards per target. You know, he really wasn't going anywhere. These, these, these passes were very quick. Um, and, you know, Cooper, certainly he makes his bread and butter off of making dudes miss being a little bit shiftier, you know, like catching over the middle and just kind of squirting through with uh, speed that you don't anticipate. Love. It's more of a burner. If he can kind of flesh out that route tree a little bit more, be a little bit more, uh, a little more crisp on his cuts, his stops and goes, um, you know, the little things that yes, you expect freshmen to struggle with. Um, but you know, you nailed it. Having a number one receiver 
knocks everyone down a peg as far as importance. You all of a sudden don't need Barrett Bannister to be your go-to receiver. I love the walk on to death, but he, he will give you the yards that you need. He will run three mm-hmm. yards and catch it. He'll run four yards and catch it. You need a game breaker. And when you have the eyes on burden, when you have safety help on burden, because Lord knows you're going to need it. That's one less dude on Mookie. That's one less dude on love it. And they might have a little bit more room to, to, to create. So it's important for everybody. It's important for the quarterback. It's important for the receivers just to have that kind of presence to make them all better because attention is going to be driven away and you have to, you have to play everybody the same as, as opposed to like bracketing off Kiki Chisholm, putting three guys and completely eliminating him from, from the route tree. So it's, it's going to be really exciting to see what happens, but you also have to execute. And at that point, we're not totally sure where everybody is at this point. Mm-hmm. Now the Tigers also, they went heavy in the transfer portal, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they got the Hopper Cousins. You got uh, Jane Jernigan from Oklahoma State, former Clemson safety, Josh Charleston. Do you think that uh, these guys in particular, they're going to factor in immediately with the starting lineup? And and even if they don't start right out the gate, you got to imagine they're going to be heavily featured in the two deep, wouldn't you think? You would have to. You know, we I think everyone has said that, like, if you transfer somewhere, you're transferring to play. You're not transferring to to, to watch the team play. Mm-hmm. Um with you know martez manuel actually tore his ucl uh, last year and played with a torn ucl for for all of 2021 which is the 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 tommy john surgery um so he's out for spring so charleston's going to get pretty extended looks uh especially since uh, our other safety stacy brown uh got a little bit of a run-in with the law so uh charleston will probably get a lot of uh pretty pretty good uh, amount of snaps in in spring to see what he can show uh, what, what he can do but really, it's going to be the defensive line, um, and, and especially the tackles, the interior. We lost two guys to graduation, and, of course, Mikai Wingo uh, decided to leave us for LSU. So our, our top three tackles are gone. That means, you know, Jaden Jernigan, Ian Matthews from Auburn, um, those guys can come in, and they, they will probably get starting-level snaps, probably game one. Um, there are some freshmen uh, who redshirted last year who – could factor into it as well as uh, Marquise Gracio, our, our blue chipper from St. Charles, but they're proven dudes uh, you know, for Matthews and for Jernigan, and they are disruptive guys. And you gotta you gotta imagine that they are gonna be coming in to play immediately. So I think you'll see those two in particular uh, game one. As far as Tyron Hopper, I mean, you saw Blaze Aldridge last year. He was either blowing you up or getting blown up. So like it was. It was <laughs> It was, it was a mixed bag. It was a lot of fun, but it was a mixed bag. And Hopper had the game of his life against Missouri. I remember seeing him like, how many tackles is this guy going to get? Uh, just from a lateral speed, he is so, so fast, both to the sideline and in the backfield. We are looking to replace Blaze Aldridge because he is also going into the draft. So that weak side linebacker position is open. I'm not even taking bets. It's going to be Tyron Hopper. Like he is going to be the starter. Uh, he's got SEC experience and he's got SEC production. So that was a huge get. I, I, you know, a lot of people kind of pointed to uh, you know, maybe Charleston is kind of like, oh, you know, this is great. You get a four star from Clemson. To me, the 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 transfer portal win was was Hopper uh, from Florida. That's that's a position of need, a proven player. Uh, and one that already has SEC experience. And I, I, I'm excited to see what he can do because I think he's got, he's got to tear it up. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing for you, Nate. You know, Drinkwitz got this outstanding reputation as an offensive mind and everything, but 
still a little bit of an unknown, I think fair to say as a program builder, not to suggest that we've not seen plenty of signs that he can get it done and, and they're trending in the right direction. But on your latest podcast, again, go, go check it out before the box score on rock M nation, but not only you, but Bill Connolly, I thought it was fascinating for saying essentially, you know, if Missouri, uh, you didn't pick a number, I don't think, but let's say six, seven, eight win season. If, if that happens next season, still, you go, be going into year four and kind of, not knowing what you got as a football program. So what do you need to see to judge drink and just to see if he's a, if he's the guy that's going to get Missouri where they need to get, so to speak. Yeah. For, for me in particular, it's it's a handful of things. Number one, pick a damn quarterback, (laughs) have, have that guy be your guy. Um, You know, we we've seen the recruiting and like recruiting is going to be, Drinkwitz's safety net because he seems to be able to do that kind of no matter what. So we're always going to be intrigued, but show me that you can find a quarterback and develop him, continue the offensive develop uh, improvement. Because I mean, you know, 2020, whether you want to count it or not, the offense was not super great. And last year it did stall out towards the end, but it was, it was much improved. Um, so I want to see a quarterback improved offensive performance. Keep that going. Cause that's, that's your thing, man. And then just, give me a defensive identity. You know, I, Ryan Walters was a single high safety man coverage every single play. Like he never, he never strayed away from that. Steve Wilkes was, I want to play zone and create pressure, but Oh yeah, by the way, I forgot how to teach him how to stop the run. Like, <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't know what we are defensively. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure Eli Drinkwitz knows what he wants to do. You know, he's an offensive guy. He, he lets the defensive coaches run the defensive side, but there doesn't seem to be any cohesive input. And that's part of the, you know, the turnover on the defensive side has led to that. So if he could get involved and just say, this is what I want. And I'm, I'm sitting here saying like, he doesn't do that. I, I got to feel like he has some input, but we don't know. Uh, just lay it out. Like, this is what we want to do defensively. I want X, Y, and Z. You figure out A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. But these are the three things I want. If he can establish that, find coaches who can do that, recruit players who can do that like just create kind of like that D-line zoo, you know, mentality that we had in, in 2012, 2015. Now you've got an identity to recruit to. Now you like, this is what you think of when you think of the Missouri defense. And that's going to help fix a lot of kind of intricacies on a day-to-day or play-to-play when you have that identity to rely on. Right now, we're just the defense that you run all over. That's not super fun. Um, so craft a defensive identity, continue offensive development and find a damn quarterback those are the three things I want. Uh, oh yeah. And keep up recruiting, uh, but you know, I, I think he can do this, but yeah, with a five and five season and a six and seven season, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. We still got a couple more years, but he is kind of a little bit of a, for all of his bluster, he is a little bit of an unknown as far as uh, head coach quality. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, he's Nate Edwards. Again, give him a follow Nate G Edwards. Really, really outstanding stuff. Nate, I re- really appreciate you. Uh, joining me and, and don't forget to check out rock M nation all the work nate does over there thank you thank you thank you thanks mike thanks for having me on miz all right so just want to say thanks again to nate for joining the show and talking some missouri football giving me all that time and then you can just feel the excitement in his voice because uh the season did not go as well as it anticipated and drink with second season there in columbia but hey they're turning the page ready for year three and Hell, they were a surprise this first year. Maybe they'll be a surprise this third season. I mean, I'm, I'm already seeing the jokes here 
when Mizzou kicked off spring practice, everyone was saying on Twitter, well, man, they seem fired up to go 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and 5-7, five, five and whatever the hell. I mean, that's just what Missouri is going to be penciled in from here until eternity, until they have a huge breakout season. But that doesn't mean that's the way it's going to go. I mean, we were sitting here going into the COVID year. Remember, Missouri got an incredible schedule, had to play Alabama right out the gate. That was their pickup game. And, hell, they gave – you go back to the 2020 season, Missouri gave Alabama one of the best games they played. Not the best, but, you know, in the top three or four, I would say, they held their own against the Crimson Tide. So – and they beat the defending national champions. I mean, they've won a lot of games that first year. Again, last year, obviously, a disappointment. But if they can recapture that magic, they're, they've got more talent, they've got more depth than they've ever had under Drinkwitz. I'm not ready to write them off. I think they can firmly get in the mix with some of these East contenders. So uh, we'll just have to, if things break right, I mean, they could be right in the thick of uh, this log jam in the SEC East, play spoiler, spoiler this fall in Columbia. Now, last little thing to talk about here. Of course, we uh, mentioned Matt Luke and his sudden resignation there as uh, Georgia's offensive line coach, associate head coach. Well, the Bulldogs have turned around and replaced him with Searles, Stacy Searles, formerly North Carolina's offensive line coach. And and for the most part, the last couple of years under Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, Mac Brown, the head coach, of course, North Carolina's had a hell of an offense here. So a, a couple of figures I just wanted to run by you for Georgia fans on how North Carolina's offensive line performed the last couple of years. Second in the SEC in rushing last season, second the year before, and fourth in 2019. Those are the three years Sarles was down there. So, you know, rushing attack, this is exactly what, uh, you know, Georgia Bulldog football right there, all about the rushing game. But something to be a little nervous about. Dead last, 14th in the ACC in sacks allowed last season. That was with a veteran quarterback. And then the year prior, 13th out of 14th in the ACC. So, Hey, he's probably going to he's going to have significantly more talent to work with in Athens than he did in Chapel Hill, but uh, we got to get that fixed because we don't want Stetson Bennett getting killed this season uh there in Athens. And then one other thing here with the Georgia Bulldogs, great news. You know, he's still got a long way to go, I would imagine, but Arik Gilbert back with the team, working out, getting prepared for spring football. Man, rooting for this guy to uh you know, get things settled off the field so that we can finally see him back on the field. He's just such a talented player. And if he gets everything situated, you know, he seems destined to be an NFL player. And I'm sitting here thinking, Gilbert, I know he's saying he's not a tight end anymore. He's a receiver. But you got Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington. They just signed uh, another elite tight end in Oscar Delp. Throw in uh, Gilbert to the mix. I mean, they're going to have a lot of weapons there for the Georgia Bulldogs, for Stetson Bennett and the Georgia Bulldog offense next season. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for this guy because, uh, you know, he's just – there'll be a lot of wasted potential if he can't put it together and get on the field for the Bulldogs. But, hey, that's all I got on this episode of the show. Again, we're going to be back next episode. Got another great interview lined up. We got uh, Coach Clips. We're going to have clips from two teams to discuss. So look forward to that on Thursday. That's going to do it for this one. Appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one.